on this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, the Swiss Alps and Northern Italy with Globus. Yes, we take a drive across the St. Bernard Pass. We delve into the alpine jewel of Aosta and go villa spotting amid the glamour of Como. Plus we swing through Lugano and Bellinzona. Let's go exploring with Choice Touring. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard once again for a fresh edition. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike Yardley. How extraordinarily good it is to see you, Andrew. Always good to see you, Michael. Yes, now this week we continue showcasing Switzerland and Northern Italy, and we're doing it escorted touring style with Globus. Yes. Uh, You may recall I recently enjoyed a week-long romp through Switzerland and Northern Italy with Globus, and this was their new Alps Out Loud Choice Touring products that I, st- I gave a bit yeah. of a ride with. I still love that name, Alps Out Loud. Fantastic. Yes. Now, Choice Touring by Globus is a recent innovation. This promises travellers all the wonders of a perfectly planned tour. But it's not one where you have to go, oh, well, I can't have any sort of freedom, okay? This is an extra level of freedom and flexibility. Indeed. So it blends your standard guided sightseeing of the big hitter attractions with a selection of what they call your choice excursions. Your choice excursions, all right? Love this. Yeah. So this allows you to customise your tour experience and tailor it to your particular interests. Now, last week we rolled through a range of Swiss destinations like the Riviera. What about the Alps? Yes, our Globus escorted tour set off from Lake Geneva and we were bound for Aosta via the storied Great St. Bernard Pass. Now, this is the third highest road pass in Switzerland, rising to an elevation of two and a half thousand metres. What? I know, it is so high. You are sky high. Wow. As you go from the canton of Valais in Switzerland through to Aosta Valley in Italy. Now, as a point of comparison, New Zealand's highest highway alpine pass Porter's Pass, rises to 900 metres. So this is a sky-high pass. Great St Bernard is one of the most ancient passes through the Western Alps. It's been used as a crossing as far back as the Bronze Age. There are also surviving traces of the pass being used as a roadway for the Roman Empire. Incredible. Yeah. So straddling the highest point of this very high road, (laughs) the Great St Bernard Hospice was founded a 1,000 years ago and this is the place that later became famous for its use of St. Bernard dogs. Now, you had a St. Bernard dog. I did. Yes. I have a spiritual connection with the St. Bernard Pass because of <laughs> canines. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's just the most incredible road with so much history, and they don't actually uh, use rescue dogs in terms of St. Bernard's anymore, but the French, over on the French Alps, side of the pass, um, they still have an annual reunion where people can bring their St. Bernies out into the Alpine Territory for an annual outing. Do they have the little casks? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The whiskey barrels? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be right up your alley. Yes. Now, the original plain Alpine Pass has been expedited for travellers in more recent times with the Great St. Bernard 
tunnel plunging through the mountains, nearly 2,000 metres. That's 2,000 metres above sea level. Yes. That's a very high tunnel, isn't it? It's a very high tunnel, Michael. (laughs) On the other side of the tunnel, you get dazzling views of the snow-cloaked peaks. And a lot of these peaks are so high, they will have a carpet of snow uh, on their tops year-round. But the most amazing change when you spill out of the tunnel onto the Italian side is the weather. You get that uh, warm, fern wind. The temperature change was staggering. We left Switzerland. It was wet, chilly, and 8 degrees as we entered the tunnel. When we spilled out on the Italian side, 22 degrees in sunshine. Wow, that's like after a cold day getting whacked with the good old Canterbury Norwesterly. Yeah. Uh, now, what about Aosta Valley? Did it live up to all the expectations? And these are big expectations. So, you yes. know, you've got to have a look at this here. Totally. As I say, snow capped craggy peaks. That's the first thing you see as you come out of the tunnel. But when you look down below, it's like Heidi Land, Italian style, <laughs> because you've got all of these lush meadows strung across valleys and verdant forests, cascading waterfalls, romantic castles clinging to wooded hillsides. It really is a scenic showstopper. Now, the mountain town of Aosta has a very ancient heart. The nickname of the town is Rome of the Alps. Yes. I've always had a very special affinity with Roman rocks. Yeah, I know what you're saying, yes. I actually think, Andrew, Yes. in a previous life, <laughs> I was either... Be, a, be careful here. <laughs> I was either the senator in, like, the Roman Republic, or... Oh, good grief. I actually think I might have been a centurion in charge of 100 Roman soldiers. I think you would have been a centurion in charge of the Roman Christmas tree. Yes, yes, yes. this is true. <laughs> But when you arrive into the town of Aosta, yes, you do feel like you've been smacked with the relics of ancient Rome because they've got these well-preserved walls dating back from the days when Aosta was one of Rome's most important trading and military outposts. There's a Roman bridge, 2,000 years old, spanning the river Bouthier, and these two massive Roman gates, big arches, that um, are strung across the main street via San Anselmo. Now, did you see Asterix and Obelix? And uh, <laughs> who, who was the druid? It was um, Geretafix uh, or something. Something like that. Anyway, yeah. now, Michael, you also got your rocks off uh, with even more Roman ruins to peruse. The old amphitheatre. I love an amphitheatre. And the old... Roman Forum. Now, many of the most prized ruins are housed in the Archaeological Museum. So after rocking around town, see what I did there, rocking around town, uh, you will have been peckish. Mm -hmm. Culinary standouts for you were what? Ah, well, well, where do I start? (laughs) At the beginning. I think you could go to Aosta just to eat. Yes. Because they are proudly the land of mountain food. So you've got lots of lovely hams and salamis, which are laced with herbs from alpine meadows. They do a very rich beef stew called carbonada. Carbonada. Carbonada, mm. which uh, warms the cockles. That's very popular in the winter months when Aosta sort of transforms into a ski town. Mm. Um, mm. But you can't skip the cheese. No, um, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the world's biggest cheese fan. Yes, I think Andrew and I both agree. This is one of life's truths. You can't skip the cheese. You cannot skip the cheese. And the buttery fontina is oh. the signature cheese. Oh, yes. This is the runaway cheese of choice. 
Buttery Fontina. Now, because this is, you know, Alpine territory, I would imagine that, you know, there's a strong Swiss influence and you could feel like you're back at a 70s key party. Fondue, <laughs> anyone? Very good point, yes. There is fondue by the truckload. <laughs> and if you are a fondue aficionado, see what I did there? I did, I'd like I, that. I've gone Swiss and Italian. You, you have. A fondue aficionado. <laughs> uh, if that's up your street... Uh, make your way to Osteria Danando for lunch. Now, this is on that main drag of Via San Anselmo. Now, this is your classic family affair, this Osteria. It's this very cheerful terracotta-coloured Osteria, elegantly uh, presented Austin cuisine, and it's run by the Scarpa family. This has been a, an ongoing concern for the Scarpas for over 60 years. So 60 years? Being passed down the generations. They wow. do so many types of fondue. Ooh. But I tell you what, what the thing which I still dream about. <laughs> Again, be careful. <laughs> they do a very nice zucchini tartlet. Ooh. With a creamy pumpkin sauce. Oh. That was so good. Oh. But once again, yes. Fontina cheese. Yes. Yes, you can't go wrong with the Fontina cheese at Osteria Danando. It is the taste of Aosta. Well, you can't really go wrong with cheese, full stop. Excellent. Just ahead, we head lakeside to the glamour power of Como. Don't go away. You're back. We're back. Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew. Right, let us talk Como, a jewel of northern Italy. It is so good. And those canny Romans sure knew they were onto a good thing in Como. Oh, yes. They were the first, the ancient Romans, to see the potential of the Italian lakes, like Como, as a holiday playground. So go back 2,000 years, and they were constructing palatial villas on the edge of Lake Como, and they have never fallen out of fashion. Not at all. Now, star-powered Lake Como is like a magnet for the celebrity Set. Um, but for all its big screen fame, the place embodies elegant, low key glamour. It's not brash and garish like some mm. sort of touristy, trappy, you That's know. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. I mean, bling bling is not something you would associate with Como. They just do it in style. Yeah. Uh, and one your choice excursion I plumped for with Globus was the Villas, Villages and Vistas cruise. There's a lot of V's in that. There is a lot of V's in that, yes, yes. But this was a dazzling excursion. Even the waters of Lake Como just seem extra glossy, as if they know that they've got to be movie set ready. So Um, the water knows that it's got to be movie set. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, it it just has got an extra special sheen about it, I reckon. Um, So no wonder Hollywood fawns over Como as a natural movie set. And on our cruise... Villas, villages, and vistas. We drooled <laughs> over so many Ballypock pleasure pads, including one particular famous property, the 18th century villa Balbianello in Leno. Now, this is one of the great advantages of Globus's Your Choice excursion. If that's your cup of tea, great, you get to go on it. If it's not, you go somewhere else. But I wouldn't miss it because not only did this villa feature in James Bond's Casino Royale, fantastic movie, Mm. big James Bond fan, uh, but it hosted 
Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, really famous villa. I also gazed across Sophia Loren's villa. Oh, yeah? Uh, the late... Was, ju- she, was you know, through the, through the bathroom window? <laughs> she apparently only goes there for like three months of the year. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, but she's got very impressive gates. Like your gate. Yes. <laughs> I probably look like a stalker. You I was do, standing yeah. outside of gates <laughs> thinking, gee, Sophia's got very fancy gates. I do like your gates, Sophia. <laughs> the late the late Gianni Versace's property, uh, oh, Villa yeah. Fontanelle. Yes. Now, it's interesting how these properties change hands. So he owned it right. It's currently owned <clears throat> by a Russian billionaire. Oh. However... It's currently on the market. The asking price, 75 million euros. I'll take two of them. (laughs) What are we talking about? About 120 New Zealand, uh, million New Zealand dollars. Unreal, eh? Yeah. Um, Then, and I thought this would interest you, Andrew, the Opus Dei Villa. Oh, yes. So... Speaking to quite a few of the locals in oh, here, Como. Here we go. That sounds like a conspiracy theory it coming so down the is. line. Yes. It so is. A lot of people who live in Como, they reckon that the Opus Dei Villa is really where the next Pope is chosen. Not the smoke up the pipe at the Vatican. Okay. But so, they have their little conclave at Opus Dei Villa. Okay. Yeah. So the landlord is what? The Illuminati? They've signed it off, have yeah. they? Brilliant. Yeah. Now, the production team of Ocean's 12 didn't have uh, far to look uh, for an Italian villa to shoot in since, well, you know, George Clooney happened to own his own grand villa. And the movie also featured Villa Urba, which you can actually visit because it isn't a residential home, but it's an art museum and exhibition centre. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a really top tip. If you want to get inside one of these villas, Uber is uh, easy to do. By the way, the locals love George, and everyone I spoke to just was so fiercely protective of his privacy. Apparently, like in the summer months when he will go there, um, there will be like a... um, like a no-fly zone around really? the, the chunk of the lake where his villa is. No drone zone. No drone zone. Um, mm. And the paparazzi are all sort of ring-fenced off from getting too close to the property. They're very, very fortified. The Clooney's in Como. Oh, well, fair enough too. But he's very hands-on. There was this famous Como oh, yes. restaurant. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very generous soul, Andrew, when I say hands-on. A famous Como <laughs> restaurant, right? You had to pause there. I did. Yes, I didn't want any confusion. Anyway, there is this famous Como restaurant, right, called Lala Collier, and it served the same menu for 75 years. Wow. Isn't that insane? But it was just loved. And sadly, as a result of the pandemic, Lala Collier went bankrupt. And this is an example of how George is trying to do his bit to help Como. He is currently negotiating to buy this restaurant and resurrect it. Well, you wouldn't have to make up a new menu, would you? No. (laughs) So he's back in town. If you're up for the best panoramic view of Lake Como's, you know, from above, uh, jump on board the funicular railway. Do love a funicular. Oh, I know. I have a fetish for For funicular. For funicular, yeah, of course you do. Which has been whisking travellers up the Brunate since the 19th century. Yeah. It is the view of the gods at the top of Brunate. You just get the most epic view across the Azure Lake and all of those colourful clusters of traditional Italian houses, 
the sweeping mountainsides down to the water. It's a view to die for. It's a killer view. Yes, that nearly sounds like a James Bond movie title. Yes. Or a Duran Duran movie soundtrack. Now, what was that called? A view to a kill. Very good, Michael. Thank you very much. A view to a kill. And that was (laughs) the first song they performed when we saw them in 2006. That's true. It was too. They they opened the Auckland show with a view to a kill. If it hasn't dawned on you, Andrew's quite a Duran Duran tragic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do you mean tragic? Well, devotee. That's better. (laughs) By the way, my Globus tour included a two-night stay at the Sheraton Lake Como Resort. Very swanky base Mm -hmm. from which to launch yourself at the lakeside. And one of the best things I did... Uh, and this was a top tip from the tour director, take a short walk from this hotel, the Sheraton, to the village of Chernobyl. It's about 10 minutes, 15 minutes walk. Yes. But you feel like you're a local when you take this walk because people are out there buying their gelato and walking their doggies and you just feel like you're part of the neighbourhood. But the cool thing about this village, Chernobyl, it is home to a trove of palatial Art Nouveau villas like Villa Uber and also Villa Dest. And there's so much history around here and so many intriguing stories related to these villas too. Yeah. One of the best is Mm. about Villa Dest. And I just thought, this sounds like a movie script. There Mm -hmm. was a gala dinner held in 1948 at Villa Dest, right? And it was the scene at this dinner for the scandalous murder of a wealthy silk manufacturer called Carlo Saki. Como was very much renowned as a a silk-producing base. Anyway, Carlo was shot dead (laughs) by his lover, Mm. Countess Pia Bellantani. Mm-hmm. And she shot him with her husband's pistol. That is a movie script, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. That would have livened things up at the dinner. <laughs> yeah, dessert, anyone? Hmm. Uh, I'll just have a couple of shots, thanks. The gala dinner had a view to a kill. <laughs> oh, that's very well done. Stay with us. We head back across the border to Switzerland with Globus in just a moment. Don't go away. Stay tuned. Kiwi Tripsters will be right back after this break. Experience choice touring by Globus for yourself. 2023 departures on the Alps Out Loud, Switzerland and Lake Como by Design Tour are open for bookings. Enjoy touring by private air-conditioned motorcoach, outstanding excursions, some meals and seven nights first-class hotel accommodation. Don't delay, head to globustours.co.nz. This is Kiwi Trips. Dizzy back with Mike and Andrew as we showcase the Alps Out Loud escorted tour with Globus. Great tour and love the name too, Alps Out Loud. All right. Uh, after binging on those Como villas, Michael, you took another Swiss dip. Yes. Just north of Como, we nipped back across the border into Switzerland to Lugano. Lugano. Which sounds very Italian. Does sound very Italian, yes. But it's actually Swiss. Oh, good. It's Italian speaking Switzerland. Well, there you go. (laughs) Splendid setting. How are you going to do that accent? (laughs) (laughs) With difficulty. Great. But it's just the most amazing setting. This enormous lake flanked by high peaks, and it's located in 
Ticino, which is a canton of Switzerland, but very proud of their Italian influence. So Lugano is this wonderful fusion of Italian, Swiss and Mediterranean influences. Again, let's wait for Michael to do the accent. Uh, You may be in Switzerland, but it feels and looks and tastes Italian. Switzerland's Little Italy. Yes, that's very much their nickname. Our group, uh, when we headed into town, went to Piazza della Reforma, very Italian name, Lugano's main square. And you've got this enchanting assortment of characterful buildings bracketing the square. They're just a buzz with inviting cafes. Even if you aren't a coffee drinker, mm. it's the sort of place you'd go and think, I need to have a coffee. Indeed. You know, it's just so inviting. Uh, you've got this cobweb of laneways leading to the square, brimming with just old school traditional merchants and little boutiques. There is this unbelievably good gourmet food shop (laughs) called Gabani. So that's on Via Piscina. They just sell everything that could fulfill an Epicurean fantasy. They just have the lot. Like, if you had a big dream, if you had a big (laughs) dream about all of the delicious gourmet food you could possibly eat, this is the place you'd find it. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, Yes. If that all is a bit too pricey at Gabani, there's always the very lively, multicoloured verve of the produce market just down the lane. Fantastic. Now, after enjoying a serene cruise on the languid waters of the lake, uh, if you head for, you know, if you ever head for heights, let's say, make tracks for the sugar loaf of Liguano. Yes. Monte San Salvatore. Is that the attempt at the accent? That was an Italian attempt. Well, go on. If you are Swiss, <laughs> you would say, well, in Lugano, they would say Monte San Salvatore because they're very proud of their Italian influence. <laughs> Lovely. Right, there we go. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> now, this mountain is famed for its precipitously steep drop into the lake and a very bulging profile. Oh, you can't go past the bulging profile. <laughs> Hence its nickname, the Sugarloaf. Yes. A big plump hill um, <laughs> overlooking Lugano. <laughs> now, once again, the summit can be reached by a funicular. And if the weather is behaving, the best thing to do is then you take a very short hike even further beyond the uh, funicular railway track to the ultimate lookout point where you will just find your jaw dropping in awe at the sizzling views over the region. And a short jaunt from Liguano is the Swiss town of Bellinzona, which is very, very proud of its castles. Oh, yes. The town is so proud of its castles, nearly as proud as they are of their connection to the world's oldest and smallest army, the Pontifical Swiss Guards. Oh, the old Swiss Guards. I do love their uniform. Yes. They're like court jesters. I'm not sure if that's the look they were going for, to be honest. (laughs) It's a medieval throwback. (laughs) An army. You're about to be attacked by some court jesters. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to tell you jokes (laughs) until you capitulate. We will joke our way to your death. (laughs) You can imagine the torture. Pick a card, any card. (laughs) (laughs) Knock, knock. (laughs) Anyway, the wonderfully dressed Swiss guard have been protecting the Pope for over 500 years. And the first Swiss guards... He's getting old then. This is true. 
thankfully they can regenerate and yeah actually you've got to be that's interesting you say that they've got to be a certain age I can't recall offhand exactly what the age band is but it's quite young like 25 to 29 or something it's very prescriptive yeah and the very first Swiss guards headed to Rome to the Vatican from Bellinzona so that's they're just so proud of that but anyway, beyond the Swiss guards and their funny costumes. Here is your funny costume. <laughs> Here is your Swiss army knife. Here is your deck of cards. If you crave castles, you are in crenellation heaven in Bellinzona. Crenellation heaven. Yes. That's a lovely little phrase, Michael. Have you ever wanted to go to crenellation heaven? I can't say it's crossed my mind this week. <laughs> But but all roads lead to Bellinzona. Oh, well. <laughs> so this is like a fortified valley city guarding the most important European alpine crossroads. So you've got three massive fortified castles rising above the ancient town centre. Now, these are all UNESCO protected as World Heritage Sites. Yes, they were built by the Dukes of Milan, who ruled northern Italy and its environs, including Lugano, uh, for centuries. Yes. So you've got a, a bit of a choice as to which castles to check out. Our group um, with Globus, we ventured to Castle Grande, which dates from the 1200s. Uh, but all three of these castles will make you gulp. They are formidable, imposing-looking structures, and so exceptionally well restored. So you can't go wrong whichever castle you go to. Go to all three if you wish. No, go on then. Exactly. But the the city itself also should not be overlooked. Now, what about the old town? This is certainly worth the stroll, worth the poke around. Definitely. And it's a classic old town, so very much lending itself to an exploratory on foot Graceful architecture, red cobblestones, a very easy Italian vibe about the place. The architecture is always what I'm intrigued by in terms of sizing up a town. So in Bellinzona, you've got heavy column arcades, wrought iron balconies, shuttered facades. It's just beautiful. Don't miss Palazzo Civico. Palazzo Civico. Yes. Splendid. (laughs) This is a splendid Renaissance structure with vaulted arcades and crowns with a very breezy loggia. You do want a breezy loggia. Oh, every time I've looked for a loggia, I've said it has to be breezy. (laughs) There's also a very lively produce market in town. Some of the signature uh, buys from this market, boar salami. Boar salami. Explain this one to me. It's like wild pig. Well, I know what a boar is, so it's yeah. actually salami made out of boar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, like the name suggests. And you do get that, as you would think, quite a gamey taste to yeah. the salami. Yeah. They're wild mushrooms. People go crazy over Balan's owner's mushrooms. I'm a big mushroom fan. Mushrooms you, are great. You have a fungi fetish. Oh, you and your Just fetishes. imagine if you had a fungi fetish on a funicular. <laughs> And then you had a few whiskeys and tried to say it <laughs> 10 times fast. Yeah, good on you. Uh, by the way, local cheeses. Yes. Yes, very good local cheeses at that produce market in Bellinzona. Very, very nice local cheeses. You can't go past them. Yes. All right, stay with us. We're going to talk to Globus Tour Director, Mike Coolstock. Well, we named him Mike the Glue because Mike was the glue for the <laughs> Globus Your Choice Tours. And uh, Mike Coolstock, coming up next, don't go away.
This is Kiwi Trips. There's Mike and Andrew. And joining us, he is the human glue who stitched together Mike's recent choice touring with Globus. Okay, the Globus tour director, Mike Coolstock. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Give us your backstory, Mike. How long have you been tour directing and what was the attraction to this? Well, <laughs> I've been tour directing for, for 17 years on Cosmos Tours first uh, and then Globus. Um, <laughs> the minute I boarded uh, my first coach as a, as a tour leader, I felt uh, an incredible buzz. Um, it was like uh, a mixture of everything, you know, traveling, showing people places that I was passionate about, you know. I'm happiest when I'm on the move. How many countries have you tour directed with Globus and Cosmos? Oof, now you're asking. <laughs> I'd say uh, between the two, the Globus and Cosmos, maybe about 20 different European countries. What are your favourite destinations? I've always been a fan of uh, some of the Italian cities like Venice and Rome, but I also love guiding in the Alps, uh, like when we were together, uh, Mike, on our Alps Out Loud tour. You struck me as totally unflappable on tour, Mike, stitching together the entire experience seamlessly. What he, is, that's why he was Mike the Glue. Well, this is true. Mike the Glue. What is the core role, Mike, of a tour director? Pretty much how you described it, Mike. You know, we, we, we are the thing, thing, the invisible in a way, the thing that binds everything together. That's what we aim to do. I guess as a Globus tour director, my role is is to bring the, the destination to life for our guests. Um, I ensure everything is taken care of every step of the way. And, you know, we're the professional warriors, if you like. I don't mean warrior as a fighter. I mean warrior as someone who's concerned about everything because we have to make sure everything runs tickety-boo. But it's not just the the logistics, you know. We're there from the start right to the end. You know, we see the passengers meet and begin to make friendships at the welcome meeting. We're there to answer their questions straight off to make them feel at ease. And, and when you're traveling as much as I do, I mean – all these places, they're like my little kind of office back offices, you know. So like when I'm in Venice, I'm sitting there in my favorite place, maybe having my favorite drink, probably not an alcoholic one. And I'm, and I'm taking care of my job. And we know all these places. So we're able to give clients, you know, a little tip as to where to go for a, a good coffee or a, a nice little pre-dinner drink or, or a nice meal somewhere. And my Globus tour also had a supporting cast of local guides that's all about deepening the experience, right? Exactly right, uh, Mike. Um, on every Globus tour, local guides are very key to ensuring that guests see the best of every destination and have these authentic local uh, experiences. For example, um, on the tour that, that we did, the streets of Milan and the Piazza del Duomo were brought to life by a local guide. And uh, I mean, who can forget uh, Hector in Bern and his humorous take on the history and quirks of his hometown? Mike's Globus tour with you was heavily populated with delightful Americans. But, you know, <laughs> have the Australasians been a bit slower to get back on board with these tours? Yeah, we at Globus, we started successfully touring um, in sort of summer 2021. But uh, yes, the Australian uh, and New Zealand borders um, have been slower to open. It's great to see Aussies and Kiwis back on our international tours. And I think there's definitely a great demand. There's that pent-up frustration of wanting to travel. It's um, been a bit harder, I guess, because you guys are just that bit further away. I think you had strict, stricter lockdown restrictions than perhaps the Americans did. So it's just taken longer, I guess, for you guys to bounce back. But we're here and we're waiting for you. We know that Australians love to travel, particularly with Globus. You know, they like it for the financial peace of mind, too. It's great value. Um, the price is, is known up front and guaranteed. And, uh, you know, there's no hidden costs. I mean, it's a great, reassuring way to travel. 
you know, we love to give you guys the certainty that, that you seek on, on these long distance adventures. Choice touring by Globus. Why do you think this new flexible option is such a winner? It's a winner for so many reasons, uh, but above all, it's that uh, that word, that one key word, in it, which is choice. Globus understands that one size doesn't always fit all. Guests can experience everything they love and would expect of a perfectly planned tour, but with the extra levels of freedom and flexibility that the choice tours like the My Alps Out Loud tour that we did offer. These tours still include guided sightseeing at the must-see attractions. As you experienced, um, they offer these uh, excursions. You can pick A, B, or A, B, or C on three particular days of a seven or eight day itinerary. Highlights for me were definitely Shion Castle, uh, the visually spectacular Laveau Vineyards, and crossing the St Bernard Pass. You are so high on that pass. Are they all big fan favourites? Everybody loves a castle, and Shion is quite striking as it sits there on the lake. And the vineyards, yes. People go to taste the wine, that's the kind of draw, but the views of those vineyards are just absolutely amazing, aren't they? And they they leave you with an unforgettable memory. Now, Mike, you didn't tell me you had a St. Bernard dog. You should have told me when we were on tour. The pass, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, all these alpine passes are interesting and, and it's, it's nice crossing from one country into another so you can see the different changes, the slight changes in cultures and language between the two countries. And in our case, there was also the phone winter. The weather was cloudy on the Swiss side and it was beautifully sunny on the Italian side, if you remember. Actually, if you remember, I, I called it before we entered the tunnel and uh, luckily I was right. What do you think is Globus Touring's big point of difference? I just like the way uh, Globus are continually trying to innovate, thus the, the product we were able to offer you this um, late summer. The itineraries are really designed to give guests local immersive experiences wherever they may be in the world, whether it's you know finding hidden gems in capital cities, exploring countryside towns, or trying your hand at sort of active adventures. That's what I love about my role as, as tour director for this company. And the product is really gaining a breadth and depth that is is really second to none. There's truly so many ways to tour with Globus that it makes it perfect for every type of traveller. You know, we have these uh, undiscovered tours for guests to discover off-the-beaten-track destinations, um, not necessarily found in your typical coaching itineraries. There's the Escapes itinerary, which offers discounted tours in off-season when hotels are basically begging to be filled by, uh, normally they're trying to sort of shoot them away, but they're begging to be filled by uh, <laughs> uh, tour groups. There's the Independence, which was launched this year, Independence by Globus, where guests uh, get to enjoy the benefits of touring with Globus and access to local insiders in a kind of untethered and un unscheduled way. And also there's the small group discoveries, which restrict group sizes to approximately 20 to 24 guests. So there's a broad range, really, which I'm, I'm really kind of like happy to be part of escorting. And how will you be spending Christmas, Mike? Will it be white? I'll be spending Christmas here in the UK. And if the last 25 years are anything to go by, it will definitely not be white. Thanks so much, Mike. Great to talk. That's Mike Coolstock from Globus. Or Mike the Glue, as uh, we have nicknamed him, because he has been the glue for mm. the Globus My Choice Tours. Now, that's it for another episode. Thanks for joining us on Kiwi Tripsters. You can see our show notes, as always, on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. The articles on the topics we have chatted about, like Aosta, Como, Lugano, Balanzo, 
persona, funicular fetishes. And not necessarily with the accent. Yes, they can all be found on our companion website, fortheloveoftravel.nz. That is fortheloveoftravel.nz. Plus, we'd love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice. And there are so, so many of them. We feast on your feedback like Fontina cheese. We do indeed. So, we hope your feedback is as tasty as Fontina cheese, not the stinky old blue cheese type of feedback. <laughs> stinky old blue cheese feedback? Yes. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> and we will catch you again in another week for a fresh episode when we switch continents and head to the fantastic country of Malaysia. Looking forward to it. Take care. Uru. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.